0: This is a Tennessean Podcast Extra. I'm David Plazas, Deputy Opinion and Engagement Director of the USA Today Network, Tennessee. University of Toronto professor Richard Florida's latest book, The New Urban Crisis, was the focus of my latest column in the Costs of Growth and Change in Nashville series. You can find the series at housing.tennessean.com. The latest column is called Is Nashville in an Urban Crisis? This recording is an addendum to a previously published podcast from our discussion on May 19, 2017. I explored with Dr. Florida some of his proposed solutions, specifically, one, how to transform low-wage service work into middle-class family-supporting work, two, how to update the tax code to make it less regressive and more fair. Finally, Dr. Florida shared his blunt observations about how to empower local communities and address the divide in America between urban, rural, and suburban communities, as well as the issues of state preemption of local power and the imperial presidency. Now on to the conversation with Dr. Florida. How do we start these conversations and actually create action so that uh, businesses, employers, government, whomever, will create the, the kind of jobs that will be, allow people to support themselves and their families in urban centers?
1: It's a win, win, win. It's a win for the business. It's a win for the city, their community, and it's a win for the worker. Um, so, you know, basically we have now 65 million or so American jobs that are just bad, low-wage, blue-collar service jobs. The so people work in food preparation or food service. People who work in retail shops and clerical offices. Uh, people who work in the caring professions. They take care of our children, they take care of our parents, they take care of us when we're sick. Uh, They're largely women and they're largely members of uh, ethnic and racial minority groups. Um, And, you know, if, if a knowledge worker, say, makes 80, 90 100 grand a year, they're not secure, they're contingent. So, the the basic idea is that if you pay workers better, and we did this, we did this in manufacturing, you pay workers better, you get them invested in their jobs, you you involve them in teamwork, you you tap their brain for sources of new ideas and innovation and improvement. And by doing that, they're gonna give you better customer service, they're gonna create more innovations, they're gonna make the, the shop or the office run better. Have the higher rates of innovation, they have higher profits. So they, they have what he calls a good job strategy. But maybe the best way to explain it is what we did for the manufacturing worker in the old American middle class. You know, my dad always told me stories about the Great Depression, and he said to me, "You know, Rich, I had to go to work when I was 13. He had to leave the seventh grade in Newark, New Jersey, to take up job in a factory, where he took his job. My, my grandfather worked in a factory." That was a crappy, low wage job that couldn't make ends meet. Gave him enough so that he could get married, buy a home in the suburbs, have two boys. Put his boys through went to Catholic school because my dad thought it was better. Put his boys through Catholic school and then on to university. Went to Rutgers University, New Jersey or State University. We made manufacturing jobs good jobs. We, we, you know, Henry Ford told us we needed to have a five hour day needed to pay people who made the cars enough to buy the cars. We encourage the workers to join unions and to bargain collectively, and that way the wage increases. We had due deal legislation which supported people and created a social safety net. We can do it, and we have to do it. So the point of fact is we can't condemn two-thirds of our population to low wage work. It's not good for them. It's not good for the companies. Our city services and, and, and you know, our service base isn't as good. Our hospitality and tourism isn't as good. And moreover, we, we create more money for the city. If, if those workers are making more money and buying more things, Drive our city's economy and our national economy better. So for all those reasons, I think it's really, we need, a nat- we need an urban by urban, city by city, suburb by suburb effort to do this, but we need a broad national effort, led by companies, led by the companies who get this, to, to, to work on how to make these, these low-wage service jobs better paying and better performing and more profitable jobs for their companies.
0: Very good. Uh, And then the question on taxation, there's actually a case study that we're about to embark on, and it doesn't have to do with property taxes, but uh, the state legislature approved the right of cities to hold a referendum on transit. So it would basically take a portion of the sales tax, the local option sales tax, to invest in transit programs. And uh, the mayor here, Mayor Berry, plans to uh, offer that referendum at some point next year. Uh, What are some of the things that city mayors can learn from ensuring that they can be effective at? making these changes in the in the in the tax service to invest in city services successful? Well we were saying before, I think that you know cities need to be able to
1: capture more revenues and keep more of the revenues they pay to the state governments, they pay to the federal government. So we know that our, our cities and urban areas, our leading edge cities and urban areas, are the ones who pay in that people pay in the most taxes and they get the least in return. And in fact our vibrant cities are subsidizing our suburbs subsidizing the declining areas of the country, not vice versa. So, so one, we have to keep as much revenue as we can. You know, the UK is doing this. In the United Kingdom, there is a national effort to devolve power and to give tax money back to the metropolitan areas and the cities, like in Nashville, the metro clubs, if you will. So we've got to do that. We, we've got to be creative with new forms of revenue. Like you said, we've got to be, make it so that cities can, can generate and use some of this revenue that, that is being collected to invest in their needs. The most important thing is that this power is local. Local communities know their problems best, know their opportunities best, know what to invest, and in, do the best job with the money. These can't come from a national or state top-down strategy. The thing I talked about in the book is you now our property tax system that we have today—it's really not a progressive tax; it's a regressive tax. But worse than that. Not on the value of their property and built up our improvements. The taxes people on the value of their land. It basically says if you choose to make that land a surface parking lot, if you choose to just sit on it and let it decay, your tax rate goes up. The more you improve that land, the more you build on it, the more density you create, the more use you create, the higher the use, the better the, the property tax. That land as
0: effectively as we can. Very good. And, and finally, any uh, final advice for the people of Nashville, or for the leaders of Nashville? Well,
1: I think, you know, we're, we're at a real inflection point in America. Uh, and it's not just that Donald Trump is our president, with all the trouble he's brought this country. Um, and I'm politically independent. I don't have a stake in either either one of these parties. I think that, that what we've got to realize is way too much power in the president's way too much power in the executive branch now when the president was good and competent in that, that we didn't really notice it but you know we have this incredible instrument in america called federalism we not only have a horizontal separation of powers between the executive branch and the legislative branch and the judicial branch we have a uh, vertical separation of powers between the federal government state governments and local governments over the course of the past century and a half we've ceded more and more power to the federal Local levels. We've given up power the state levels. We've turned the federal government, the presidency, into a monster. They call it the imperial presidency. It is overblown and overpowerful. It's out of sync with the demands of an urbanized knowledge economy where there is no one-size-fits-all. So I, what we've got to do is dial that back. ideas the way they want to live on the other and they're scared so let's just say let's have a cool out period let's have a chill out period uh if if, if, if you want to live in a suburb or a rural area that's where you want to live that's fine if I want to live in an urban area that's fine I'm not going to impose my way of life on you Uh, if some communities want to do things and you know people would say this well well, it's difficult we don't want to give up on rights we don't want to give up hard-fought rights of course I don't want to give up but the point of fact is that states are retracting, them. states are preempting, states are causing all sorts of problems, and the federal government is in this states. The, the more important thing right now is that we need multiple protections and multiple safeguards. Strong local governments are the best protection and best safeguard we have. So that's where I think we've got to go. And, and to be honest, I can see tremendous support lying up for that on the left and the right. There are the best thinkers on the left who want to move to this. You've all writing about our Brexit Republic and how cities need to lead. But most importantly, the most sensible politicians we have in America are our mayors. And you know, when I go to Nashville or Indianapolis or Columbus and I could go on Louisville, Lexington, San Francisco, I can't tell who's a Democrat and who's a Republican if they're leading a city. They all want the same thing. I, I literally can't so my kind of dream. I think this is what I'd like folks to think about. My kind of dream is in the next election cycle, after we get over this national nightmare that we're going through, that the Democrat, a Democrat and Republican come together, two mayors, could be your mayor, could be former mayor Nutter of Philadelphia, could be former mayor Hickenlooper of Denver, who's now the governor of Colorado, could be former mayor Martin O'Malley, could be any, and that, and that the Democratic mayor says, you know what? I'm going to take a Republican mayor, Mick uh, Cornett of, of Oklahoma City, who happens to be the chairperson of the U.S. Congress on a bipartisan ticket to make America truly great. Not say great, but truly great. The way we're going to do that is we know we've heard you. Washington is out of touch. The federal government is too big. You you don't believe in the Congress. You don't believe in us. You don't believe the federal government gets you. You don't want the federal government to dictate how you want to live or how you want to develop. We're going to give you the power to make your city, your suburb, your community great. We're going to hand you back your tax dollars. We're going to give you the tools you need to build America as a united city. Of America, as the united communities of America. We're not going to do it any the old way from the federal government. We're going to empower each and every one of these local communities, suburbs, and areas to build the way they need to build, to live the way they want to live. And we're going to respect each other and get over this divide. You know, it seems like a pipe dream today, but, 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 but that's the way we've got to go. And I think, you know, when you look at the surveys, when you look at the opinion polls, the Americans have lost faith in their federal government. They've lost faith in their state governments they still have a lot of faith in their local governments and their communities and, and this coalition of forces among mayors of both parties that are thinkers of both parties at least gives me a strain of hope uh, that we have a way forward by empowering localities and people who live and build the way they want to so so that's, that's where I think we've got to go it's not going to be easy, it's going to be a long path but that's, that's where we have to go And that's, you know folks in Nashville have to help lead this so we all got to get together and do it and, and, and make
0: it happen well, Dr. Florida, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, the book was fascinating. I enjoyed reading it. I was thinking about it uh, the other day. I was invited to an event where uh, we have a sister city, Belfast, Ireland, where they had the Lord Mayor and two members of the council who were here visiting, and it really uh, touched home at why it's so important to really invest in other cities across the world.
1: You know, This is, this is just the start. I just want to say before you end, uh, I'm going to be writing more on the devolution of power and local empowerment. I'm going to be writing more on our urban and suburban and rural divide. I've been mean, working closely with mayors and economic developers and city builders. I mean, this is the start of a a long process. You know, as, as I've said, it took 10, 15 years to bring our cities back. It might take 10 or 15 years to make them more inclusive, but but it's something we've got to do. But it's really the next agenda of of the urban agenda. So thank you for having me, and thank you for being part of this conversation and this long path.
0: Absolutely. Well, take care, and uh, congratulations again on, uh, for your family, and uh, best of success to you. Yes, sir. Thank you.